What's up, everybody, and welcome to episode number 240 of Uncovering and Explained Mysteries for Thursday, um, the, December 30th, 2021. We are, mm-hmm. we are finishing out the year of 2021. It is post-Christmas. The big Christmas orgasm has come and gone, and now me and Mike are laying in bed together smoking cigarettes. How you doing, Mike? <laughs> I'm doing good. Um, uh, could be better. You know, things are a little bit topsy-turvy on my end. Uh, my grandmother just went through brain surgery, and she's recovering and rehabbing from that. And my mom is staying with her, and so is my stepdad. So I'm home alone for uh, a good chunk of time. Uh, so it's just kind of how it's going to be going forward for like a couple months. A so, couple months? Yeah. So you have, like the, February. you have the place to yourself for months? Yeah. I mean, the thing is, Troy will come, my stepdad will come over uh, like once a week because he's got some things he needs to do over here in Vancouver. But other than that, no. Damn. Yeah. It gets kind of lonely, I gotta be honest, but it's also kind of cool because, uh, you know, I could just stay up and watch whatever I want, blare my uh, sound bar as loud as I want, and so on, um, and not have to worry about waking anybody up. Your stepdad doesn't but, smack you on the ass for if you if you don't get your homework done. <laughs> that never happened, but okay. I just like to visualize like a 33-year-old Mike just... Not taking out the trash, and your stepdad just bends you over, pulls your pants down, just starts slapping you at your ass. You're like, "Ow, stop, man! What the hell?" (laughs) And he's just like, "This hurts. This hurts me more than it hurts you." He's he's not he's not a violent person at all. No, it's not violent. He's just he's just disciplining you the old fashioned way. He never he he never disciplined me uh, that way. Neither did my mom. So that's just. That's just how he is. My mom still takes uh, my temperature. He doesn't, he doesn't have the old fashioned way. Violent bone in his body. My mom still takes my temperature the old fashioned way. I want her to. It's more accurate. <laughs> hey, with COVID these days, you never know. You got to be sure, dude. I've been sick for like the last like it feels like week and a half. And did you get COVID again? Uh, I went and got. I got. I got one of those <laughs> rapid tests, and it said I. I I was negative, you know, those things aren't super accurate, but, um, yeah, they're not, I, don't, I honestly think, you know, it's like people, there are still other sicknesses that exist like COVID oh, yeah. doesn't have the, the flu. The flu is coming back because a lot of people are not wearing their masks anymore. Yeah. So it's making a comeback, making a comeback. It's on its, on its comeback tour. Exactly. And it's back with a vengeance. This time it's not asking questions. No, I don't know what I have. I don't. I, I don't. I don't think it's severe enough to be the flu, but it's definitely like a cold. And maybe it's a sinus infection. No, nah, I don't know. The- I don't know, man. It's 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 been going on for a while. And like then on top of that, I like gave my. I somehow got pink eye in my right eye, Ooh. and then Ooh. I like kept rubbing my eyes and shit so much. I gave my left eye pink eye as well. Oh fuck! <laughs> so I'm walking around here lately looking like the devil, just. <laughs> dude i like i went out the other day and, and it's arguably like stupid that i went out but um uh-huh everyone's like bro why you look high as fuck and i'm like i know i'm, like, I'm not <laughs> I, I hate weed i don't even smoke that shit but yes i do look very very high right now i'm not acting high uh, so 
But then again, <laughs> if you have a high enough tolerance, you know, you can smoke and not act yeah. high. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I've also had a good amount of time off this week. Uh, this and I honestly I've been liking that because the past couple of weeks at work have just been insane. Uh, especially at Kohl's, it's just like nuts. Just so many long hours. So just so much. Just craziness. Uh, the other job at Michael's though, super slow. We don't have barely anything on the shelf. Uh, once again, cycling through more managers, and uh, it, it's it's getting pretty uh, bleak over there. Like I, I would not be surprised that within a year from now, it's like, okay, this isn't working. We're not making money. Close it down. Really? <laughs> like I would not fucking be surprised. So um, yeah, Christmas um, for me, it was kind of stupid. <laughs> because it happened on uh, December 24th. It uh-huh. was supposed to happen on December 25th. It's tradition in my family to have Christmas on fucking Christmas Day. But my brother impregnated uh, his wife and popped out a few kids. And so now, because of that, he has uh, favored nations over anything that happens in our family. Um we had made plans to do Christmas on December 25th at my brother's house. I could see his kids and all that, which is really the only draw at this point. Cause it's like, you know, me and my brother, it's not that we don't get along, but it's just like, yeah, you know, eh. we don't really uh-huh. particularly get along. You know, we don't, uh, he, yeah. he's very in his ways, you know, he's kind of like an old man at this point. Like he, I, we have nothing that we can really relate to currently. Um, so his uh wife uh her like aunt <coughs> decides that oh I want to have Christmas at our house like a week before Christmas and we just have to go along with it and be like okay well fuck whatever we were going to do with like the nuclear family you know David's extended family wants to have Christmas on that day so my option was to either do it on December 24th or to uh, do it on December 25th, but wake up like at the ass crack of dawn to get over to his house so that he can do both Christmases in one day. And I was like, fuck that. I'm a DJ. I work nights, which is something my fa- none of my family still respects, um, even my extended family, because I was supposed to see them for the holidays, and um, they were wanting to do an event super early in the day. And it's like, you guys... That's not the sleep schedule I have. If you want me to come to your event, have it at a normal fucking time. You know, most families get together for these things at around like 3, 4, 5 p.m., you know, like not my family. They want to do everything at like 10 a.m., 11 a.m., noon, like fuck, you know? Well, I mean, that's what that's what my family does. I just feel like that's, know, that's what we've done every I feel like year. That's early, man. I feel like... I don't, know, I don't know. It seemed like back in the day, it was nighttime by the time we left after doing Christmas <laughs> Eve. And that's just how it always was. And I'm talking about Christmas Day, not Christmas Eve. Well, yeah, Christmas Eve, Day, though, so. yeah, you do it a little bit earlier, but I don't know. So anyway, um, I got a biography on the band Dire Straits. Oh, okay. be- Because you know how much I love Dire Straits. Mom. Well, I, I, I mean, yeah. You know how but... I'm always talking about and making YouTube videos <laughs> about dire straits. 
It might be an interesting read, though. Yeah, if it was an you know, audio, if it was an audio book, I'd listen to it. But I can't, oh, I can't okay. read actual books. I, I, my eyes. Does Does the book have like an audio book code? No, no. You buy the book, and it was like a th- that. I saw on the back. That would be smart for books to do. Right. It would now. be like a QR code that you can scan on your yeah. phone that you, you get a free digital download. Yeah, that would be great. That would definitely up the appeal, in my opinion. Um, but yeah, I can't read actual like books, man. Like my eyes just, I keep repeating the same. Well, your line. pink eye doesn't help either. So, <laughs> I, I, you know, <laughs> I think the worst of the pink eye has gone away. Like the worst of it was only lasted like a day. It was my yeah. eyes really fucking hurt. Um, uh-huh. But yeah, I got that from my mom. There was like a hundred dollars in in the book. Um, so that well, that was. I mean, I mean that's. That's a big plus, right? Yeah, that was 100 cool. bucks. I, I definitely have learned this year, though, that I spend way more money on my family's Christmas than they spend on me. Because, um, yeah, like, I got my brother, like, this home security system, and I got my, I had to get my niece and nephew gifts. I got my mom these, like, expensive towels and these cushions for her chairs, because that's, uh-huh. that's what she wanted. And, um... I don't know. I just feel like uh, next year I won't. I won't be going all out like I did. I did. I've never gone all out. I had the money this year, and then I only just got a few things from my mom and my stepdad. And and I'm gonna write a poem for my grandmother. That's that's really about it. I'm not. I, I mean, none of my other family members have sent me anything in forever. So it's like, why would I even bother? Like they're not getting me any gifts. <laughs> like. I don't. I don't understand why. Why would even make it a, a priority at this point? Yeah, I had the most uh, weird, uh, off kilter, different Christmas that 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 I have had in forever. Where I just spent the day by myself. Damn, that at sucks, home. dude. Yeah, that sucks. You should have like, you should have like posted in the group, and we we could have all like had like a video chat or something. <laughs> I thought it was it was actually okay in retrospect because I've been working so much that the day off to just relax and and not really think about a lot of things and to just watch some movies and just hang out like that was actually a positive because I really hadn't had a lot of free time to be able to just do that sleep in get up do whatever so that that was actually a pretty good gift well, I rewatched Home Alone 2 because that's my tradition every Christmas <laughs> is to watch Home Alone 2 because growing up, it's like, okay, you can get one thing and for whatever reason, Home Alone 2 was the VHS tape that was avail- available at the Walmart or wherever we got it from and um, that is, um, that's always been my tradition is to watch that movie, which Mike feels is an inferior Home Alone. I do. I, I think the first film is easily the best and uh, i think the second film i used to watch it a lot as a kid and there are still things about it that i really love the the trap scene and the abandoned house is is up there at the trap scenes in the first film uh tim curry steals pretty much every scene he's oh in. yeah he was great what kind of acts is that dude british or american i can never tell I, I yeah I, I don't think he's really his accent he, he he almost has this like transatlantic accent where it's like yeah what, is, what accent is that even that's not really his natural speaking voice he's just playing it up for the camera oh, okay 
you know, for the whole uh, stuffy bell bellboy or know, concierge. Uh, he wasn't he wasn't the bellboy. He was a concierge, I think. But yeah, the whole thing because Rob Schneider was the. Bellboy. I thought I thought he was good in that movie too. Yeah, Rob Schneider was pretty pretty decent as well. Which is get on your knees and tell me you love me. I love you. I love you. <laughs> I believe you. I'm gonna let you go or something. I don't know that that yeah. whole line. Yeah. I'm going to give you to the um, count of three to get your lousy, lying, four flushing, to- whatever he says, I don't know, some old yeah, 1930s yeah. slang. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, you, God, I love like the com- like complete bullshittery of that movie, like as if that movie could be turned up that loud on that TV to sound like there's yeah. an actual machine gun being shot. I mean, they the- did that in the first film with the pizza delivery yeah. guy and with Harry and Marv. I love that shit. So-, so it's so over the top that it's just hilarious, you know? And then like, uh, what them slipping, uh, or Marv slipping on the paint in the basement and yes. he falls on the ground. And then he just gets <laughs> pr- like rocket projected towards the shelf uh-huh. of paint and just all that. He gets electrocuted by the washing machine, and you see the a skeleton. Uh, Yeah, I mean, it's like all it's like real a real life cartoon. It was great, you know. You you love that shit as a kid, and and as an adult, I can because clearly they're not going for realism, you know. No, I mean the brick scene. Oh yeah, the brick scene. (laughs) Yeah, you take the a fucking brick to the head from a two story building. That is a concussion or or like your like fractured skull like you were yeah he would have been done right there yeah like he would have died like they would have died so many times he opens the door to the house harry i'm coming in and then he like just falls to the second or to the basement i've reached the top yeah just falls (laughs) face for first into the basement onto concrete like yeah anyway we could sit here and talk about (laughs) home alone all, all, all day probably this is a podcast, believe it or not, about uh, unsolved mysteries. Um, depending, another nostalgic uh, part of our childhoods. Yeah, I was. If you think I about was walking it. through the Win Dixie the other day uh, with a sleeveless shirt, so like oh, everyone could sw- see my sick tats, bro. And uh, God, like all these people were just commenting on it. But then this one older lady was like, "She's like, oh, I know who that is on your arm." And she was pointing to Robert Stack. She's like, Unsolved Mysteries. And I'm like, I'm like, hell yeah. She's like, what made you get that? And I was like, it's my favorite show. And she's like, oh, me too. I love that show. And I was like, yeah, I still watch it to this day. She's like, oh, I do too. And then she like looks at her son. She's like, oh, he's too young. He don't know nothing about that. And, uh, <laughs> and I'm just thinking to myself, man, if this kid, and this kid looked like he was by like in his mid-teens. Like if this kid uh-huh. watched Unsolved Mysteries, he he'd probably be like, man, this shit corny as fuck. Like he probably wouldn't have the appreciation yeah. for it, you know. Well, you never know. Yeah, you have to. You yeah, yeah to, like certain people do. You kind of. It just depends on how cool you're trying to be in front of your friends or whatever. I guess I don't know. Like, uh, so, obviously, speaking of unsolved mysteries, uh, Josh uh, managed to find uh, some more gems here. He dug pretty deep for these and. The the hard work paid off. Well, when we were in the the mine shaft of uh, the unsolved mysteries tunnel that used to be full of gold, that was very easy to get to. Uh, I stumbled upon yet another hole in the shaft, and I asked Mike to like, you know, anchor me to the surface with a rope, and I I repelled down the shaft, and I I was able to find just a few more gems. 
Um, and because of my bravery in the expedition, we have found two more cases to talk about that are pretty good, especially the yeah. Tim Barry. I think these are two of the uh, best cases uh, that we have been able to find in a long time, to be honest. Um, it's a it's a fitting way to end uh, the year, to end it with a uh, with a high note. Yes, and I I I think we both know that I'm going first because uh, your case is the stronger <laughs> of the two. Not to say that mine is any kind of a slouch, but you know it's it's uh, there's not I, I don't know. You're, I still think it's pretty solid. It's still a really solid case. Yeah, there's. I was gonna say it's not as mysterious as your as the other one, but it kind of is at the same time. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, um, the National Cemetery in Little Little Rock, Arkansas, is the final resting place for hundreds of soldiers, sailors, and pilots. Two men buried here are at the center of a mystery that has no easy answers. Their names are Sergeant Billy Ray Hargrove and Sergeant Mike Carmichael. The Army says both men killed themselves, but their families say the Army is dead wrong. Harvey Harvey Hargrove is Billy Ray's father. Mike didn't have anything to die for. No more than Billy had anything to die for. Neither one of them committed suicide. They didn't do it. So the father, uh, I just wanted to mention this because I just thought it was something that really uh, did make him stand out. Uh, he's he's from Arkansas, and so he's got a big giant Arkansas trucker hat on <laughs> when when they're doing the interview. And is he is he wearing like overalls too? Yeah, yeah. yeah. He just came off of the so, farm to do that interview for Unsolved Mysteries. Then he went back to work after. <laughs> yeah, he probably made like sure. he probably made like the grips and all help in the in the farm, like in the you know till the fields, like after they were done filming a segment. <laughs> now y'all ain't getting this interview for free now. Yeah, you put on them gloves, get out in the field, you earn your keep, you hear? That's how we do things in Arkansas. <laughs> I don't know how you do things in your, your highfalutin uh, Burbank, California, California, but uh, here in uh, Arkansas, this is how we do it. Working man's state. <laughs> but this was it during kind of like the height of um, all these mysterious like military suicides. Yeah. There were, they mentioned uh, this uh, article in the Philadelphia, uh, uh, it's not the Inquirer, I think, but it, it could be, actually. It was a paper in Philadelphia, and they mentioned how there were 14 different military men that had committed suicide at really similar times. So it wasn't all at the same time, but they were very closely connected in terms of the dates. Yeah. Which is really suspicious. Yeah. Like, one or two? Okay. 14 and they were all from the same uh unit too so that's the kind of thing that really makes you go whoa kind of okay. manchurian candidate right, shit yeah. going on definitely some kind of uh conspiracy or something along those lines did you ever see manchurian candidate with the, the yeah with i actually watched that in i think well i watched the original i haven't seen the remake oh the remake is the only one i've seen and that one's really good yeah, the original, uh, I think that has Frank Sinatra in it, I think. You guys uh, should stop using mind control to tell these <laughs> soldiers what to do. Doop-a-doop-a-doo. I could be wrong, but um, that one 
uh, I saw in, I think, high school. I think we watched it in a, go a government class or something. Yeah, yeah it was uh, definitely a weird uh, film to watch in in a class like that. But I do remember it being pretty interesting. I know it has a very young Angela Lansbury. You know, Angela, you might recognize her as the, the, the gal in Murder, She Wrote. Okay. Uh, she's really young in that. Oh, wow. But she was kind of a babe. She really was. She, you know, and then she became the gilf in Murder, She Wrote. <laughs> gilf. Grandma, I'd like to befriend. Um, anyway, <laughs> Billy Ray Hargrove and Michael Carmichael led similar lives. Both had planned careers in the military since they were kids. Both joined the army in their teens and both married Korean women while stationed in the Far East. They became best buddies as they climbed through the ranks. During the first Gulf War, Billy and his outfit were sent to Saudi Arabia. However, according to Billy Ray's mother, Sue Nonali, the conflict ended before their platoon saw any action. When Billy finished Desert Storm, he was disappointed because his men did not get a merit award, a medal that he felt like they deserved. And he set about trying to get that medal for them, and no matter what direction he went in, he just couldn't accomplish it. And the reenactment for this scene where Billy is trying to ask his superior for the medal, it's pretty brutal. I gotta be honest, like the acting between both of them is pretty bad. But that's part of the charm of the show a lot of the time. Yeah is these kind of stilted awkward I love them uh, I love I, I love it I, I I don't I just love if even though I know it's like not good acting I don't care I love it I don't know why <laughs> it, you know the officer's like I've made my decision but sir you you know like <laughs> one of those kind of things I mean I don't know do you get medals if you go into like a combat zone, but you don't actually like ever engage. I mean, yeah. I mean, I thought about that and I was like, why is he so upset? You really didn't go into combat, man. Like, I don't know. Do like football players who stay on the bench the whole season, do they still get any reward if their team? Yeah, they do get a Super Bowl ring. I mean, heck, the fucking uh, water boy gets a ring. Holy shit. So. Yeah. Well, I don't. I don't know. Maybe the fact, like the fact that they were ready and willing to do it, uh, is or they did some other stuff behind the scenes. Maybe that's what's going on. Or they actually did get in a conflict, and they wanted a medal for it, but it's a conflict that's secret and 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 not supposed to be known by the public. So they wanted to be uh, recognized for it, but the military was like, no, we can't do that because blah, blah, blah. Either way, Mike. And why else were they killed? Either way, really? it sounds like a conflict of interest. Dun, dun, dun. Bro, what's <laughs> up with all these motherfuckers lighting off fireworks right now? I don't know if I'm getting bombed or if fire like Shit. Good Lord. It's like constant over here. They're celebrating the new year early. And the rocket's ready. They don't really normally celebrate the new year with that song. Isn't it Odd Lang Syne? Oh, say he does that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I felt like Bill. What, what, what is this? Uh, uh, the rendition of uh, the Star Spangled Banner by the kid from the Storm in Hell. Yeah, yeah, yes, segment. yes, that's what it was. Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. Jesus loves me. 
Dude, people are tur- fast forwarding through this part so hardcore right now. They're just plugging their ears like, ah. <laughs> So Billy couldn't just accept that the army wasn't going to give him a fucking medal. He forged his superior's signature on the appropriate documents. Now you done fucked that up. That was stupid. Now you done like, fucked up. Like, come on, up. man. <laughs> why did you think? Why did you think you'd get away with that? Um, a short time later, his men received their medals. In June 1991, he arrived in Korea for another tour of duty and was arrested at the airport by military police for forgery. Even though in the segment they said he was being arrested for treason, mm-hmm. which I mean, is that treason? Maybe. Um, Billy's court martial was not his only problem. His marriage was also falling apart. Billy Ray's mother, Sue Nunley, said Billy and his wife were fighting frequently. There was a lot of jealousy. She was constantly accusing him of having a girlfriend and having a child somewhere that she didn't know about, and it wasn't true at all. How would you know, lady? I mean, it is his mom, but at the same time, yeah, I mean, he kind of got a point. Like, there are a lot of times in these segments, in these cases, where parents are like, well, my son or my daughter would never do anything like that. And then you find out later in an update where they did do yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. They, parents <laughs> so, say, I always want to believe the best, especially if they know this shit's being televised to millions of watchers. Um, <clears throat> on February 20th, 1992, Billy missed a summons to report to duty. Even after one of his fellow sergeants informed him that he was late, Billy never reported. Instead, he took his dog for a walk. And this dog is fucking adorable. My, hel- my heart melted once. Lassie. Yeah, it looked like a lassie <laughs> dog. 20 minutes later, Billy's, li- Billy's wife heard the dog barking. When she went to see what was going on, she found Billy hanging from a tree by an elastic parachute string. Oh my God, Billy! <laughs> That's another instance yeah. of... of- classic what are you uh, doing unsolved mysteries <laughs> yeah i know what are you doing what are you doing i'm just hanging around what does it look like i'm doing a suicide uh. note was found in his pocket it read in part my life is really screwed up now and i just don't know how to fix it i've been thinking a lot about taking my life for a long time now sue not only had doubts about her son's note i could see that because it it looks like a, a, a suicide note that's just kind of made up, doesn't it? Like, it's just crossing off all those boxes. You know, my life is is really screwed up. I don't it's, know how to fix too it. Ge- it's, uh, too da, 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 da. it's too generic. Yeah. It's too generic. It's like, if I didn't know anything about somebody and I needed to take them out and make it look like a suicide, I needed to come up with a note, I would write something like that. I'm really unhappy. Uh you know, I've been depressed for a while, but I just haven't told anyone because there's no way you can disprove any of that. You can't you can't go into mm-hmm. their thoughts and know what they're thinking. Yep. Not yet, at least. I'm sure Mark Zuckerberg's working on that. Um, so with meta. Anyway, the mom <laughs> Sue chimes in saying, I looked at the writing and I did not believe it was his writing. It did not look to me like his writing. Uh, the army acknowledged that the note might not have been in Billy's handwriting. Even so, they ruled his... I love how they just gloss over that. Like, well, it might not have been. We acknowledge that because it, it does look like there are some discrepancies. Uh, I'm like, okay, why are you glossing over that? <laughs> I mean... <laughs> yeah, it's like, well, you know, we needed him dead, so whatever. I feel like that's kind of uh, yeah. a fancier way of saying, yeah, what, whatever, lady. You know, maybe it wasn't, you know, and like, what are you going to, what are you going to, what are you going to military? You know, we'll just, we'll fucking redact your whole family's existence out of the records and you'll never be heard from again. And anyone who asks questions, 
they will end up the same way. So that's just that's kind of how we play ball here. Once you get once you piss us off to a certain degree, um, like forging a sergeant's signature, you know that that tends to tick us off. Um, even so, they ruled his death a suicide. According to Billy's mother, they concluded that he had been depressed about his upcoming court martial and divorce. He was not the type of person to commit suicide, no matter what, especially putting a rope around his neck. I just could not believe it, and I still don't believe it. Something happened to him, but he did not commit suicide. Like, I, I don't know what this quote-unquote type of person to commit suicide is. Is there a person just walking around with, like, a gun constantly to their head, and everyone else everyone else around him is just like, yeah, that's odd, that's Harry. He's definitely the type of person to commit suicide. You know, it's like that's a really good point. Like, what, like, what's what is the per, what the type of person who commits suicide? What do they act like? Yeah. Tell me. You know, like what? How? How? I don't know. How are they supposed I, to be? I think they act, there is no uh, specific type of person. Then, like, who commits the, suicide. especially putting the rope around his neck. I mean, come on. That's one of the. That's one of the common ways you do it. I mean, mm-hmm. if he had uh, thrown himself into a wood chipper like at the end of Fargo, uh, I could see her saying, especially not throwing himself into a wood chipper, but uh, you know, a, a rope around the neck. That's not that unusual. I mean, it's as morbid as that sounds. So anyway, it's another case of the parent, you know, not wanting to. Bel- I just have a. I just think that would actually be a pretty hilarious dark uh, comedy. That, like a bit to have in a dark comedy with somebody who's just constantly, you know, holding the gun to their dead, gun to their head, gun to their dead, gun to their head, and they're all like, "I'm gonna do it, I'm gonna do it." It's like, all right, Harry. <laughs> still goes to the diner though. Still orders his like two eggs over easy, eating it, eating the food with one hand, has the gun to his head with the other hand. He's like, "You know, I'm gonna do it, right?" And everyone's just like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, whatever." See you tomorrow. <laughs> then he finally does it. Well, he did seem like the type that would commit suicide. He did always have that gun to his head. So <laughs> that definitely checked off a few boxes for us. So um, uh. the autopsy report also contained evidence that it might not be suicide. Billy had cuts and abrasions on his face, hands, and knuckles. Billy's mother thinks Billy may have been involved in a fight before he died. But the military in their report didn't question anyone or ask where the scratches came from. They just ignored them. Like, what kind of scratches are we talking about here? Like, the word abrasion could mean anything. I mean, as far as a police report goes, it could be from, like, a small little nick to, like, a gaping hole, you know? When Billy Ray Hargrove was laid to rest on March 4th, 1992, one of the mourners at his funeral was his friend Mike Carmichael. Billy's father recalled a conversation he and Mike had. When I finally met Mike, it was at Billy's funeral when he brought Billy's body back home. And he told me, he said, we'll give him hell. We're going to make him pay. Those SOBs pay for what they done. After the sur- Part of me doesn't buy that that's really what Mike said. <laughs> I think that's re- that, that sounds like something that his uh, Billy Ray's dad would like to say. Or would think that he would say, but that just sounds kind of fabricated to me. I don't know. I never questioned that part of it. After the service, Mike returned to the Hargrove's house with Billy's family. Billy's mother also spoke to Mike Carmichael. He looked at me and he promised me and he told me that if if it was the last thing he did, he was going to find out what happened to Billy Ray. But six weeks later, Mike was was also found dead. Mike's uncle, Oscar Carmichael, served in the Marines for 20 years. 
He said he believed there was a larger conspiracy involved. There had been three other army personnel there in Korea that had supposedly committed suicide, and my nephew told his birth mother, he said, don't be surprised if I'm next. Mike Carmichael returned to Korea and began his own investigation. He and his wife, Sun Hu, visited Billy Ray's widow and collected his personal papers. Included was a letter Billy wrote to his father a few days before the hanging, but the letter never made it home to Harvey. He was supposed to have written me a letter sometime in February, and I'm sure if I could find that letter, it would explain everything. Mike continued to collect Billy's papers and stored them with his own papers in a metal box. Mike told his uncle Oscar that if anything were to happen to him, Oscar should immediately open the box, but Mike uh, never said what was in it. Then, on April 3rd, 1992, Mike Carmichael's 38th birthday, he received an unexpected phone call ordering him back to the base. According to his wife, son Hugh, by the next morning, Mike had not returned home. On Sunday morning, I called the army base to find out where my husband was. I talked to a security guard. I was told that he did not see my husband, so I asked him to try to knock on the door of his barracks room. He said that there was no response and the door was locked. An hour later, son Hugh found Mike Carmichael's body in his barracks office. He was hanged by parachute cord and was leaning in an odd position against his locker. Like this one really made me uh, go, huh? Because the the uh, uh, the other guy, um, what's his Billy name? Ray. Uh, Billy Ray. It was your typical, he was uh, hung from a tree or something, right? That's okay. <clears throat> like hung against a locker, sitting down. With the same parachute I, string that the other, the yeah. same method. Yeah. Very suspicious. Like Billy, Michael had abrasions on his face and a gash on his forehead. He had been dead for several hours. The Army's investigation concluded that Mike Carmichael had taken his own life because he was depressed over financial matters and Billy's death. His uh, Uncle Oscar doesn't believe it. I don't believe that you're going to kill yourself over the suicide of a friend. I mean, I, I, I think it'll be devastating to a lot of people. But not enough for you to take your own life. I think there might be an exception. Like, there might be some people who have done that. But it's not a common thing. And the way that he killed himself is very uncommon. Like, I'm just wondering how he even did it. Like, how do you even set that up? Oh, I mean, I guess you tie, it, it, to, really- you tie it to something and then you just kind of lean you on your knees and you just, like, lean forward and... And let the tension choke you out, I guess. I guess. But the way that his body was found and the way that it just it, it just doesn't seem like if that's how we did it, that he would wind up that way. Just sitting down with his arms to his side. It just seemed really, really suspect. So his uncle, Oscar, said there was no way that Mike would take his life and take the chicken way out. That's a kind of a controversial take nowadays, but all right. He was happier than I had seen him in a long time due to the fact that he and Sun Hugh had just gotten married in July. They were like a couple of overgrown kids, really. And he had his retirement to look forward to. I think he was angry, and I think he was going to direct his anger towards finding out the reason why or who caused his friend uh, or ki- hi- killed his friend. Who caused his friend or killed his friend? Typo. Yeah, typo. <laughs> The Carmichael and the Hargrove families absolutely refused to believe the deaths were suicides. They launched a letter-writing campaign asking for 
The official reports from the military, unsatisfied with the Army's response, they contacted the U.S. Con- US Congressman Jay Dickey. Uh, Greg Stein was Congressman Dickey's legislative assistant. And Greg Stein looks like he's about 18 years old. Uh, the <laughs> assistant to the uh, congressman, this kid that they put up there being interviewed, he was like literally in his teen teens still. He had to have been. He When I saw him, I'm like, this guy is supposed to be speaking in some official capacity and, and his balls just dropped like two years ago and I'm supposed to listen to this? <laughs> anyway, he says, um, even the reports that I could get were lacking in the photos of the crime scene. You're like, what the fuck is Doogie Hauser doing up here? Really? <laughs> Other things were withheld or whited out for certain reasons and after looking at it, I don't think that they took into account all the different aspects of the case. It's a very generic statement. Uh-huh. Congressman Jay Dickey says he believes there's been a cover-up. I don't want to accuse anybody at this time, but the reason why there would be a cover-up, I don't know. That's one of the things we want to find out about, but I happen to think if we open this thing up, we will find an answer. You will never find an answer. There are so many cases like this with the military. I like how Mike just comes people... in as the fucking Grim Reaper of bad news. You will never well, find an answer. Well, it's true. You're not going I to. Just like how, you like said how it. often have we seen this? Yeah. How often have we seen segments like this and cases yeah, like especially this? Especially relating to like UFOs. Like, oh my God. Well, that, but also with clandestine military operations, uh, top secret stuff. Like, if you're doing stuff with the military and you're doing things on the side. Uh, I 100% believe there was some clandestine stuff going on during the Gulf War. I mean, easily. <clears throat> no doubt about it. And as a result, you kind of sign your life over to the military. The military, if they decide that you're uh, someone who could come out and talk to the public or speak the truth or they consider you a liability, they're going to erase you. And they're not going to feel bad about it either. And and if you're lucky, they'll tell you about it 50 years after the fact when all the people that were involved are either dead or retired. Yeah. That's if you're lucky. Yeah, that's if you're lucky. A lot of the time, you don't find out anything. It just remains an unsolved mystery. Bum, bam, boom, bam, boom, bam, boom. <laughs> dun, dun. <laughs> the two families are especially troubled by the many similarities of the two deaths. Both Billy and Mike died... Uh, just after they were summoned to the army barracks. Both mm-hmm. were tied with parachute cord. Both had cuts and abrasions on their faces and hands. And both men were found hanging just inches from the ground. And they were involved in the same things with uh, the same unit. And they were both in the Gulf War. And all 14 of these military men were in a similar scenario, similar situation. And they all wound up dead by suicide. Yeah. Congressman Dickey thinks the position Mike Carmichael's body was found in raises questions. The question marks that come up about Sergeant Carmichael start with the fact that he was put in a sitting position some three inches from the floor. Even the natural instincts of a person would have your hands falling down or pushing against it. The metal box that contained Mike and Billy's personal papers was sitting on a desk across the room from Mike's body. Now, this one is really interesting. The box of letters later disappeared. No one knows what happened to it, Mm -hmm. and military personnel deny its Mm -hmm. existence. Yeah, that one is a a serious red flag for me. The men's... It just 
disappears. The men's families uh, suspect a cover-up. Billy's mother, Sue Nonally. I believe that in Billy Ray's case and in Mike's case too, something had to be going on that wasn't right. Something that they found out about or knew about or maybe something they were going to expose. I don't think they were going to expose it. I I think that they were maybe a threat to, at some point in the future, expose it. And the military just decided to take him out before that could even happen. Because they knew that they were upset about the whole uh, uh, not getting a medal thing and so on. And uh, they just decided to take care of what they considered to be a problem. Probably considered it a case of national security or whatever. Um, And just took them out. I'm just imagining, like, who is it in the military that is responsible for these kind of things? That does these murders and makes them look like suicides? Uh, Are they fellow military men who are just pressured into doing it? Like, you do this, or we're going to court-martial you, or we're going to do this, or we're going to, you know, do something with your family. Like, you don't have a choice, you know? Or is it a, a series of hired guns or people from the outside? Is it a is it a connection with the CIA? Like, what, or the FBI? What, what is, like, who is doing this? Because it sounds like it's something that happens... More often than we probably would like to admit. Well, what was so, that movie? Uh, a few good men, where Jack Nicholson's character—it was like in a quote unquote implied order to mm-hmm. uh, have the uh, whistleblower. Uh, he yep. should be dealt with, you know. Yeah, and uh, you can't handle the truth. All the other Marines, you know, went and yep. did their code red or whatever it was called, uh-huh. and um, you know, almost killed the dude. Yeah, um, you know. Uh, apparently yep. there's a lot of truth to that. I mean, that was based on a true, untrue events. Uh-huh. Uh, a, a, a congressional hearing upheld the army's findings of suicide. Of course, it, of course they're going to back the army Congress. Um, they found that Mike had choked himself with a rope while sitting on the ground. Billy's mother says the hearing was just a formality put on for show. She insists the two buddies were murdered. I agree with her. And uh, the fact that the box of the letters went missing and the military is like, we don't, we don't, that never existed. That was never a thing. But there's a drawing of the, of the, of the whole uh, scene, the crime scene, Mm -hmm. you know, where the, where the, I guess it's not really a crime, but you know, the, the scene of, of death and they have arrows and they point to the box. The box existed. It's like the military denying that Area 51 exists. But on a smaller scale than that, because with Area 51, it's like we could see it from satellite photos. Come on. Like, really? And there's a there's a giant fence that says trespassers will be shot. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it sure doesn't exist. There's nothing there. Man, these comments. It's one guy saying... um. My name is uh, SFC. I don't know what that what rank that is in the military. It's probably a military. Yeah, uh, retired military Donnie thing. Bryant. I was SSG William R. Hargrove's platoon sergeant when he was stationed in Germany. I could only tell the family what transpired slash happened <clears throat> while we were stationed with C Company 1st Battalion 15th Infantry Kitzingen, Germany. I will say this. Hargrove was a very good soldier who made a big mistake. 
I, I will only discuss this mistake with the family if they so wish to contact me. It hurt me to the core when I heard about his death in 92. Well, we already know what the big mistake was. He forged this signature to get the medals. Well, he might have done something even worse. And then you got this other guy named Sage saying, I was there, Sergeant uh, SSG Hargrove was my squad leader and Bradley Infantry Fighting Vehicle Commander. I remember this very well and how happy his wife was after getting the life insurance. We'd see her every day on a spending spree. Oh, that's so cold. Damn. (laughs) See if there's any other goodies in here. Oh, uh, Daniela Carmichael. That's the. Uh, it, it might be uh, one of his. Uh, yeah, his daughter. My father Mike did not kill himself. My mother claimed he cheated on her and beat her, but <clears throat> none of his three daughters ever seen any violence. Not to say it didn't happen. We what we knew of our father was not violence. My mom and him separated when I was six. He remained. He he remarried to a. Korean woman when I was nine and on his birthday was found dead. I believe my father knew some things he shouldn't and was murdered for it. And I believe his new wife helped cover it up. When this originally went on Unsolved Mysteries, she stated she didn't want any further investigation. Why wouldn't you? Hmm. Hmm. Very, very interesting. And then there, then there's somebody who's like a a Kali super fan who leaves a comment like this is like the the complete opposite of of the spectrum here. Where it's like if the recreation is precise and he owned a Kali, that dog would be making a ruckus far before he was dead. Someone else was involved. It must have been somebody new, and it was someone the dog knew. Oh my god! You can't tie Kali up and walk off, especially under duress, without it raising all hell. Any investigator should establish a timeline for the dog. Determine how that dog was distracted enough to allow its owner to fist fight and be hung. How nothing was heard until the dog barking brought his wife outside? Very odd. Why do I feel like this was just the guy's opportunity to put his like large knowledge of dogs on display for everyone to see? Well, I mean, it could be a gal, too, but yeah. Oh, no, I this mean. is Paul. I could definitely see this being some like nerdy guy. Like This is all he has. I know a lot about dogs. Um. See, this is how the waters get muddied. Is because like you know all these different things start getting brought up, and it's like, guys, we're losing focus here. <laughs> Can you forget about the dog for a second and what breed it is? You know, like let's stick to the other shit that's a little bit murkier. Uh, yeah. Anyway, so yeah, I, you know, obviously, uh, we've already pretty much been saying the what military we, silenced him. Yeah, and and uh, Billy Ray. Yep. Oh, you know what time it is. I'm tired of talking about it, and quite frankly, you're tired of hearing about it. Dancing with Ghosts is the name of my band. Our music is really good. That's all you need to know. You can stream us on Spotify or anywhere you listen to music, YouTube, wherever. We are here for you. Thank you.
Alright, moving on, because, uh, yeah, I'm gonna have to leave here in about... The next case is the case of Timothy Barry. Uh, Tim Barry was a happily married man with a loving wife named Andrea. Two children and the respect of his friends in Everett, Massachusetts. And you can definitely tell that this was a segment that and a case that took place in Massachusetts. Like, so many of the people that are interviewed got that Massachusetts, Boston accent. Instead of murder, you know, it's murder. Yeah, I, I don't... Uh, instead of... Uh, Tim Barry murdered. Car, the car. The car. <laughs> so, uh, it, it took place in Everett, Massachusetts. Tim was close to... Uh, Andrea's family, after their father died, he became their unofficial uh, head of the family. On Thursday, October 6, 1977, his sister-in-law, 23-year-old Nancy Brown, had the day off. She started her day early go- doing laundry. The only other person in the house was her 16-year-old sister, Moira, who was home sick from school. Early in that morning, uh, Moira heard Nancy slam the back door to the porch and turn on the radio in the kitchen. After that, she mysteriously vanished, along with her car. That evening, their mother Ida contacted Andrea and Tim, concerned about Nancy's absence. They, along with Andrea's expectant sister Allison, rushed to the home. They called several of Nancy's friends, but nobody had heard from her. Andrea noticed that Tim began acting somewhat strangely after Nancy disappeared. He appeared to be acting more nervous than, than everyone else. This segment, I thought, when it comes to the reenactment, I thought it was actually one of those rare things where the acting was actually quite good. I, I legitimately thought, especially the actor who played uh, Tim, and I'm I'm typing right now because I'm looking. Uh, I want to find out who the actor is to give him uh, credit because I think of course you bring up the acting on this one this was the one that I had to listen to audio only because I was doing I was trying to do the dishes and uh absorb this segment at the same time so of course I didn't get to watch any of the I I fucking knew I was like this the second the (laughs) second that I like just listen to the audio of this mic is going to bring up some visual thing that I wasn't able to see well you saw the segment before Before, yeah but it's been been a while since i've seen it so victor warren is the actor's name i thought he did a really great job uh playing tim barry uh a lot of the scenes really relied heavily upon him because there wasn't a lot of narration in in this segment at times a lot of it was carried by his performance and that usually means on unsolved mysteries if they're using a lot of the actor that usually means that they had a lot of faith in that actor and they they thought they did a good job yeah and they they were right on the money in terms of having faith in him because the general rule of thumb on unsolved mysteries was the worse the acting was the more robert stack would narrate over the top of it (laughs) so the uh so the sister she disappears uh they notice that tim begun starts to act strangely uh he's acting nervous the family then split up and decide to search again while in the basement ida found nancy's glasses on the stairs this made her family very concerned because she was practically blind without them uh just like me i'm practically blind without my glasses too i can only see what's in front of my face I'm blind! Well, I mean, it's actually true, and there's a lot of people who who are in in that scenario. There's just like Velma, you lose your glasses and you can't see. 
that next day, uh, investigators began to search for Nancy. The day after that, her car was located in a store parking lot. Interestingly, Tim had suggested that they look in there. It was unlocked and the keys were under the driver's seat. There were no apparent signs of foul play. However, they discovered that the alarm was not set, which was unusual as she had always set it. The only other evidence in it were some particles of sand. Her family tried to cope with her disappearance. Uh, A few days after the disappearance, Allison gave birth to her child. As the sisters were talking, they mentioned how they wished that Nancy was there to see her new niece. Suddenly, Tim became angry about them talking about her all the time. He said that she was gone and that there was nothing that they could do about it. The guilt is starting to eat at him. Mm Mm-hmm. Andrea noticed that he was very moody and not acting like himself. Typical behavior of somebody who committed a a horrible crime. Uh, She also noticed that he was starting to drink heavily. Another typical behavior. Uh, At around the same time, investigators had asked him to take a polygraph test. He refused. Evidence continued to point to Tim, especially after they learned that he had been charged with the murder of a soldier while he was in the military in Germany. Wow, he was in the military in Germany, too. Oh, yeah, we got, we're got uh, we big over there in Germany with our military. Well, I'm just saying because the last case we talked about, they I think one of them had a home in Germany as well, so they had stationed at, at times in Germany, too. Uh, a military court acquitted him of it, but noted that his so-called clairvoyance uh, uh apparently he was clairvoyant he he was psychic <laughs> i don't remember hearing that he had led investigators to both the victim and the murder weapon uh this discovery led them to believe that it was more than just a coincidence that he suggested the location of nancy's car on, a, on april 25th 1979 he went to a catholic church and confessed to nancy's murder this is what i'm talking about in terms of the really stellar acting by the by uh by Victor Warren. Um, there's this pretty long scene where he's talking to this priest and he's confessing. And it was very believable. It was very authentic in terms of the grief and, 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 and just the guilt that was bubbling up through uh, Tim while he's confessing to this priest. He told the priest that he broke into the house at around 5 a.m. and waited for her in the basement. This is another segment that had some really great uh, creepy reenactments. Uh, the shots of Tim in his uh, camo gear with the ski mask, just hiding in plain sight in the basement, waiting for her. Ugh. Like that's the stuff that always really gave me chills when it comes to this show. Not really the ghosts or the UFOs. It was it was stuff like this. You know the the killer or the crazy psycho hiding in plain sight while you're just going and doing your laundry and there's some guy watching you just waiting the, to strike. I will say this, the UFOs gave me the spooks, but the murders gave me the paranoia as a kid. Mm-hmm. Like, <clears throat> any, yeah. any sound I heard <clears throat> or any weird thing around that, that was different around, like, the yard or something, like, I remember like living with my parents, they had this pond in the backyard and there was this dirt hill on the back side of the pond. And one time my dad found a bunch of empty peanut shells back there Mm -hmm. as though someone was just back there snacking and watching us. And and that shit freaked me the fuck out as a kid. I was like, oh my God. So my dad put up a bunch of no trespassing signs back there, but 
my dad would just like tell me like all of these concerns that he had and just put them on me as a kid instead of like keeping them to himself and not no wonder you're paranoid <laughs> yeah and like maybe don't tell your fucking kid about that you know like maybe he doesn't need to maybe you don't need to put your adult paranoia onto a very impressionable kid you know who's already has a problem with worrying about shit i could just imagine i could just imagine your dad just being like yeah you know there's some some folks down there you know just eating peanuts and just watching the house no he wouldn't even say it casually he'd be like <laughs> He's like, I don't like the look of that, you know, all these peanut shells back there. And he was, like, concerned. And I'm like, shit, maybe I should be concerned, too. <laughs> but, yeah, that's, thank you, thank you, Unsolved Mysteries, for that. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, there's a creepy shots of this guy with the ski mask on, waiting for her. He abducts her, then he blindfolds her. He then puts her in her own car, made her sit on the front passenger floor. He wore a fake mustache, so no one in the neighborhood would recognize him. Which I'm like, the, the lengths this guy went to were extreme to do this. And the most mysterious thing about this case is like, why? Yeah, there's no why. And they... I don't even know. There's no motive? You don't even know why he did it? He, he just did it? He said something like, uh, the, the, the cops were saying that he said something to the extent of, I told you how, and I told you where, but just don't ask me why. Yeah, he doesn't even know why. Well, no, he, he probably snapped. knows. He just, he just doesn't. Maybe does, he doesn't want to. I think she found. Well, maybe. I think she found his stash of gay porn magazines, <laughs> and she was going to tell I, everyone. I, I don't know about that. Yeah, I, I, I think, I think he just snapped. I think he just had a, a psychic, a, a psychotic break. That happens sometimes, where somebody just fucking loses it. But at the same time, I don't know if that's really what happened because there's so many things that he had to think through to do this. So it sounds like something that isn't just strictly him snapping and just going nuts and then killing his his uh, sister. It seems like he had a plan. Because why? Who who in the middle of a psychotic break is like, oh, I got to make sure to get the fake mustache, right? He's walking around his hometown, going, "Hey, is that is that a uh, Timmy? No, hey, it's a me, a Mario. Fuck off! <laughs> Come on, I got this mustache. I, I, I'm not. Uh, who's Timmy? I don't know who that is. So, I mean, his own sister, she recognized him, and that was another uh, instance of great acting. The actress who played the the sister, who's blindfolded and tied up in the car, and she's just desperate and pleading to him." You know, Tim, I know it's you, Tim. Why are you doing this, Tim? You're crazy. No, I'm not. <laughs> he, like, literally says that at one point. Yeah, I know. It's like, no, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> In- incorrect. Inaccurate. Wrong. <laughs> False. <clears throat> so, yeah, he wore this fake mustache. He drove her to a beach in Ipswich, 20 miles north of Everett. He forced her to walk through the dunes into a heavily wooded area. I mean, he planned this out. He had the mustache. He hid in the basement, kidnapped her. He knew exactly where to take her, to kill her and bury her. So yeah, he takes her to the wooded area. He he took a hunting knife and a shovel with him. He claims that when she stood up to him, he then had enough and he killed and buried her. The priest convinced him to confess to the police 
After his second confession, he led them through the woods behind the beach to Nancy's body. Apparently, one of the cops that uh, was there with him was a childhood friend of his. Can you imagine what was going through that cop's head while he's here with Tim, this man that he's known for most of his life? They've been close friends since childhood. And he's all, this is where I, uh, I took my sister and I hit her in the head with a shovel and I killed her and buried her. You're just like, what the fuck, Tim? He's probably thinking like, <laughs> Tim, you were so much less murdery back then. What happened? So, yeah, uh, he took them to where he buried her body, led them to the woods behind the beach. And they found the body. Uh, Nancy's family was shocked that he would commit such a horrible crime. On February 11th of 1980, he was convicted of second-degree murder and kidnapping. He was sentenced to life in prison, plus five to ten years. Eight years later, however, he was labeled a model prisoner, and he began working in lower security places. Uh, While working at a government office on Election Day 1988, as a member of a painting crew... He escaped when he asked to go to the bathroom. His escape was made easier due to the crowds and confusion on the first floor, which had several voting booths. In the reenactment, you could tell they didn't have like a ton of money to work with. So this escape scene where he's supposed to like blend into the crowd, like he blends into like five people <laughs> holding signs. <laughs> <laughs> and he escapes and then over a year later during a Memorial Day weekend in 1990 Tim just walked randomly out of the I woods love that. And- I fucking love that yeah. scene he just this dude just appears out of the woods it, like yeah. looks like he just stepped out of a fucking he said at one point he was like I can handle myself I can I can he's like he's know. like ah, if I went to the woods you'd never find me yeah and he's like all clean looking, like he doesn't look like dirty or anything. It lo- looks like he just got done shopping at like Burlington Coat Factory or something. I don't know. He looked a little dirty to me, a little disheveled, kind of kind of had a dirty brawny man kind of appearance. So he comes out of the woods, just bam, <laughs> just pops out of the woods and arrives at his sister's home in Vermont. And the reenactment has his kids, the 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 two actors who are playing the, his kids are like, "Is that dad?" <laughs> I mean, that would be my reaction. Yeah, I I would just be like, "What?" That would be scary to yeah, me. Actually, that would be... like their reaction was like, "Oh, dad, let me give you a hug." I'd be like, "Fuck!" It'd be like, I know I'd he's a convict. Like, oh. I know he escaped. Hey, hey, dad, I hope you're not too mad about that time I forgot to do the dishes. If you're not going to kill me. So, yeah, he just popped out of the woods. His kids, uh, I, I guess, were really glad to see him, apparently. Well, I mean, what you heard is that he was a, a good father, apparently. Like, he was paying child support and all this other stuff, despite being in prison for murdering his sister. I'm telling you, she found his gay porn collection. And back then, it wasn't as acceptable to be openly gay, especially not in homophobic. I mean, his sister-in-law, but you know, my bad sister-in-law. 
She found his gay porn what? collection. She found his sex toys, his butt plugs, all that. Is that why he had? Is that why he has a fake mustache? <laughs> well, no, he it was a real mustache because he was going to gay bars at the time, and that was the look back back at that time. You know, Freddie Mercury and all that with the mustache. I'm not even. I'm gonna putting go all there, these man. pieces together, man. I'm I'm uh I'm I'm figuring it out. I think I think that's I think I I'm getting I'm getting closer to solving this one. <laughs> So yeah, he just popped out of the woods one day, said hi to his kids. He said, I'll never see you again. Oh, and you know who else lives in woods? Bears. And what do we call a hairy, uh, masculine gay man? A bear. See? You see? I'm putting the pieces together. Living in a forest. Bears live in forests. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> You're gonna get canceled. <laughs> I'm not saying anything that's that's uh, homophobic or anything. I'm just saying. I mean, there's nothing. Hey, I'm advocating for this guy. He should have been able to live openly. You know, like <laughs> Nancy was gonna bust his secret wide open. No, that's not what happened. He's he's he he either. There's just something else that went on. I I, I don't know exactly what it is. Uh, I think. I, I don't buy that he just snapped because there's too many things that uh, he had to think through and to plan. Um, maybe he just didn't like her. Sometimes that happens where you have people who they just don't like somebody and it gets to the point where they're like, I want them dead. That could have been easily what, what happened. He just didn't like her. I don't buy that. I mean, that's a possibility, but then there's also another possibility that maybe there there's just something that she knew. I don't think it's a gay porn addiction, but uh, but I do think that I think that's the most likely scenario. <laughs> Why are you still on this? <laughs> like, what do you honestly think is the likely scenario here? <clears throat> Um, I don't know, but I do find it funny. His little fucking his. Ah, uh, you want to slap him after you hear this? He's like, the reason why I never confessed to the murder was because nobody ever straight up asked me if I murdered yeah. her. If someone uh-huh. had just asked me if I had done it, I would have admitted. It's like, yeah, sure. That's, that reminds me <laughs> of that one guy. He was like the Indian guy. And he had this company, this startup company he was trying to do. And he had this chick's mom as his secretary or his partner on the... Uh, mm-hmm. No, it wasn't the secretary. She was, like, going to be a ch- part of the board of leaders or whatever. Mm-hmm. And uh, she turned up murdered. And it was it happened to be after a meeting that she had with this guy. We might have even covered this case. I don't remember. But... Um, mm-hmm. The, the the jacket that the guy was wearing after their their meeting or whatever the last time she was seen alive um is isn't um like he's not turning it over the to the police and even his wife was saying that like yeah he's being really sketchy about that shirt that he wore and he put it in the washing machine as soon as he got home and then they interview the guy and he's like if the state uh, you know, if the turn or whatever, if the police want the shirt, if they would write me a really nice letter and ask for it, then I would give it to them. 
But until that, <laughs> he literally said that. And I'm just like, I want to slap the fucking taste out of your mouth. You arrogant <laughs> son of a bitch. A really nice. Le- Fuck you. Why does it have to be really yeah. nice? That's the kind of mindset that these killers have, you know, that they they're pretty selfish. It's almost like a Trumpism like word like like Donald Trump would like word things in such a weird way to where it was like it, it technically was English, but it was like not a way that a normal person talked. Like when the guy in the Unsolved Mystery said, if they would just write me a really nice letter asking for the shirt, no one really talks like that. And like Trump would say things like, uh, like the phone call he had with the uh, Ukrainian prime minister. He's like, it was it was a perfect phone call, you know, d- describing like any malfeasance yeah. that m- may or may not have been conducted. Uh-huh. He's like, he called he called it a perfect phone call. Like, yes, that is technically English, but no one talks like that. Like a perfect phone call would be if you're Thomas Edison and you're try or or. Uh, whatever the Alexander Graham, Alexander Graham Bell. Bell and you're first inventing the telephone and you failed a bunch of times and then you finally get it right and you call Watson that's when you would say it was a perfect phone call because nothing went wrong you wouldn't describe uh you know what I mean like and he would say things like that all the time like when he but was it talk- said arrogance you know I that's know. what it is I, I, it's I, I, just, I think I don't think he's that intelligent of a, of a dude like it's i mean there could be that too but I, but i mean I, I there's a lot of arrogance involved like though, he it's like sure. yeah he he's a charismatic speaker but like if you actually listen to what he says like it, the dude you know the dude de- definitely i mean it's kind of like george w bush i mean he he didn't really make yeah, a lot at least of george sense w bush either. was like charming you know he was like your he was like your <laughs> goofy like uncle like oh look at him try you know like like you know um I don't know. I, I after dealing with Trump, uh, I look back at the Bush years almost with like a, a fuzzy nostalgia, <laughs> like <laughs> you know. Um, yeah, I don't look back at and uh, you know a guy like Tim with with fuzzy nostalgia though, uh, just ball sack of a of a human being. Uh, he was he was captured as a result of the broadcast. Uh, Tim was captured on November seventh. 1994 in Akron, uh, Ohio, just days before the segment aired. He was working as a truck driver under the name John Prendeville. At a federal count here, a federal court hearing, uh, he waived extradition and was put into the custody of the U.S. Marshals. He was returned to Massachusetts and is now serving the rest of his life sentence. Nice. So there's a positive there, but it is still a. a Relatively mysterious case because I just can't really wrap my head around why he did it. I mean, there's a reason why Josh was just throwing jokes out there because it was like, what? What else? What else do we have? Like, oh, he might have. I, I have to. Oh, he didn't like her, or I, she I, knew I, something. I, I absolutely don't think it's that he just didn't like her. Some people do that shit, man. They just don't like somebody, and they they just decide to take them out. That's what psychopaths, sociopaths do sometimes. Yeah, I don't know. We could sit here all day and try to guess the man's mo's, but he's probably dead now. So fuck him. All right, uh, we're running. <laughs> Sorry, I wasn't a very graceful ending, but whatever. All right, we are out of. T- fuck it. We're out of time. 
I gotta go make some money, and I'd like to squeeze a shower in before I do that. So anyway, um, if you want to donate to us on Patreon, you can do so by going to patreon.com slash uncovering unexplained mysteries. Uh, you'll get the podcast early, and uh, for the $5 tier, you can uh, suggest episodes for us to cover. We've covered many Patreon requests in the past. Um, so once again, that's patreon.com slash uncovering unexplained mysteries. If you want to join our Facebook group and be a part of a lively, vibrant Unsolved Mysteries community, uh, it's just go to Facebook and type in Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries in the search bar. Go to the Groups tab and hit Join. And I know for the average human being, I've already given you three more steps than what your brain can handle, so I doubt you'll make your way there, but I have faith in you. And if you want more of me and Mike, separately but oh-so-entertainingly, you can follow us on our separate YouTube channels. Mike's a movie guy. He likes the movies. He talks a lot about movies. His channel is youtube.com slash OCP communications. That is youtube.com slash OCP communications. Mike, what was the last video you did that you can tantalize the listeners with? <laughs> so uh, I reviewed all three of the Harold and Kumar films. Uh, and I did a long, in-depth review of uh, the 1992 film Toys with Robin Williams. And uh, later tonight, I will be uploading a epic rant on Home Sweet Home Alone, the sixth Home Alone movie. Now, Mike, I got to ask in you: the Home Alone do, do you hold anything back in this rant? No. Oh not shit, at all. guys! <laughs> I just got to tell you: you should watch all of his videos and feel safe doing so, but. Just add a little bit of caution when Mike's not holding anything back. There should be like a splash zone around your computer where you should not stand uh, if you want to spare yourself from Mike's rage because it just comes off white hot off the screen when he's not holding back on one of his rants. Thank you. That's one of the nicest things I've ever heard from you about my content. Thank you, Josh. <laughs> hey, I I I, I like that one video you did about the Detroit Rock City, and uh, you made that comment about uh, you didn't rock your socks or even even one of your socks. Yeah, you made some joke. I thought yeah. it was pretty funny. Yeah, yeah. I've said I've said <laughs> things before. So anyway, that's Mike's channel. If you want to go check out my channel, I do music related things. I cringe at Kid Rock's new shitty song. I talk about. Uh, Limp Bizkit's new album, Does It Still Suck? Do They Still Suck? Are They Good Now? But my most recent video, I went a little different, a little left field, and I I literally go through every Zodiac sign, and I read what their character traits are, and I identify with every single sign, so therefore, I must be every single Zodiac sign. Um, I, I, I'm basically, uh, it's basically a troll video. I'm just taking the piss out of astrology and, and people who are overly obsessed with... Um, all that birth chart reading and oh well, yeah it reminds me of remember that i think it was like the serial killer part of unsolved mysteries like there was like a whole segment about serial killers and then they yeah, had a whole bit uh, talking yeah. about the astrology signs and you're like oh fuck I, off yeah, I, like come on i think i will what a way to cheap make the whole segment appear to be cheap i well i lame. think i was in one of the houses that the, the serial killer was in so i'm like oh that's good because, you know, you have your, like, what, 12 houses or whatever in regard to... Anyway, 
So I do a video where I'm just kind of making fun of that, but uh, all, all the people have seen it uh, seem to... Some people really do take it way oh, too Oh, dude, uh, most of the people that I'm surrounded by in Jacksonville, like, most of my friends are more... Like, there's a... Uh... Uh, I think it was Penn and Teller, their show Bullshit. They did one about astrology. That was pretty fun. Oh, nice. <laughs> All right. Anyway, guys, I got to run until um, later. Um, have a good rest of your life. Bye. See ya.